I was a huge skeptic of the whole thing. You don't like Lex Friedman. He's an imposter. The main specific AGI, who may be not as capable of, you know, running a humanoid robot, but can definitely self-improve with an endless cycle, for example, in you know medical sphere. I don't think that uh, search engine is exposed to any concrete risk because it's just different thing. Hi, I'm Greg Mastrider, and this is my podcast on trends of development of our society and the future of humanity. Today, here with me is Andrei Valodin, the man who has developed neural networks since 2016, the man behind um, uh, neural networks uh, in uh, Prisma AI, one of the leading startups in that field, early, early adopters of that technology, machine learning expert, researcher, developer, and uh, connoisseur. <laughs> the man who speaks to ChatGPT in a way that no one can. Hi, Andre. Hi, thanks for having me here. Such a humble introduction. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start uh, digging deeper into the topic of neural networks. Uh, we are both uh, uh, ChatGPT aficionados, and uh, I am sure that we will have many insights on how to speak to that neural network and not only that, but other related topics. Let's start with uh, your forecast for the upcoming, let's say, one or two years of development of uh, AI. There are many people who say that they are very apprehended about this, that this is this poses an existential threat to a human race, that we might be wiped out by an unfriendly artificial intelligence. Are you on board with that uh, rhetoric or are you more of a skeptic? Yeah, so... You know, I'm in, we are so early team. Uh, and uh, given that I believe that we are so early, it is kind of natural for me to fluctuate with my attitude to, to what's happening. Because um, like six months ago, I was a huge skeptic of the whole thing. Like I was in a bar here in Almaty and um, the guy was pitching me ChatGPT 3 at the moment. And I was like, come on, this is like next word bullshit generator. This is not going to disrupt anything. And now I'm like the biggest ChatGPT fan you can imagine. I'm, I'm using it every time. I recently got banned for like 24 hours because I had too many requests. And this is like materially changed my, my life. I feel I felt like I, I'm missing the most like important instrument in, in my toolkit. Wow. But... Um, and and so this is this kind of like illustrates that it is maybe a bit premature to make f- forecasting um, your you know to form concrete opinions on stuff because when you uh, when when initial hype with Yudkowsky went uh, with you know bombing the data centers yeah. and stuff I was uh, interested in it I, I understood that he's maybe too radical on a too radical side of the spectrum but. I was interested in discussion and the hearings in the Senate, what was happening there. And I thought that, wow, if, you know, humanity talks about regulation in so early, right? So, and since the, the we, we discuss as a society uh, the, the regulations of some sorts after the, such a short period of time since the inception, um, 
I thought that we are kind of like on, on a good track. But recently I've heard more opinions. Uh, I actually enjoyed, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Lex Friedman postcards, but he had a great um, George Hodge appearance. Uh, he's a very smart guy who jailbroke the iPhone and did a lot of great stuff. And uh, I, I heard him and he kind of like persuaded me that maybe regulations aren't a good thing. And also there is a guy called Jeremy Howard. He's, um, he's making probably the most popular course for deep learning in the, in the field. Mm -hmm. And he also says that um, maybe the, uh, the the future that, that comes doesn't need government regulation. Maybe it needs more of a, you know, uh, power decentralization and open source to balance the ability to use AI from, you know, the big companies and the, the decentralization. And so this really kind of like the discourse is very ongoing. So it, it, one month, I think, yeah, maybe the AGI is already here and maybe some bad people can turn it into, you know, automatic agent who can do harms. And and part of me still thinks that that's true. But then I think, well, maybe this fast takeoff isn't, you know, going to happen that fast. And, you know, there is no evidence truly to think that the fast takeoff in the meaning of, you know, Skynet will happen in the foreseeable future. And maybe we should focus more on, on regulating what humans do with the AI rather than how we do AI, how big model do we train and stuff. So I uh, generally asking your question is I try to refrain from giving <laughs> exact forecast because I kind of proved myself being horrible at, <laughs> at forecasting at least like, you know, near future, like at least like three months future in the AI because the field is, is crazy. It's been, it's been very fast pacing since, you know, 2014, when the initial like AlexNet became popular, and um, it's been evolving really fast. But now it is, you know, it is almost singularity where each week, like when we record this yesterday, Llama 2 was released by mm -hmm. Facebook, and this is probably as much of a, you know, event as the maybe initial chat GPT because it allows commercial use. So we can only imagine what you know, thousands of developers that are already training their fine-tuned models will do. So, but, you know, maybe the answer is too long, but generally I'm very optimistic about both the AI field and the human race <laughs> uh, <laughs> existing together. And generally I'm, I'm very excited about how quick and how significant uh, it will, you know, change my life, particularly in the life of my projects and the team that I work on. I like uh, being optimistic uh, as an approach to life. And generally, I'm also optimistic about many things. But uh, I'm still not convinced that the, uh, this is the way to go uh, as regarding uh, the AI development. Because I'm, mm, I find uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky's uh, points about dangers of uh, AGI or ASI, artificial superintelligence, taking over the world and destroying humanity, I find those points rather convincing. And uh, I still haven't uh, seen any decent refutation of uh, his uh, arguments. So he says that uh, if we create uh, a being much more powerful than ourselves, this poses very big risks, not of uh, somebody, uh, some evil people, bad guys, 
using AIs uh, to uh, kill other people, for example. Not that kind of risk, although that, that one exists as well, but uh, uh, there's another risk that uh, those super AIs just destroy us uh, for the sake of their own goals, not because they hate humans, but because humans are made of atoms that could be used in some other uh, way, for example. You are not uh, too worried about that? Part of me is, is worried, but I feel like it's uh, maybe a bit early to to be frightened about it because it is a material risk. So it, it is, let's say, measurable. So it's it's I, I'm not in the you know complete uh, optimistic camp that says, well, that's just matrix multiplication that inherently can't be uh, dangerous. I think that it actually can be. Uh, with the right, you know, engineering done, and with the with the some smart people doing some bad things with it, 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 it is it is definitely gonna expose us as a as a society to some risks. But uh, currently, we are uh, already exposed to very very concrete risks that we, that we we face right now, and I feel like maybe it is uh, you know more important for us to focus on problems that is caused by and can be caused by AI right now, like, you know, misinformation, uh, media diet that is basically controlled by neural networks already. Um, we, we definitely should be paying attention on how imbalanced access to the AI nowadays, like that only the big tech who can spend like $20 million per training can, can train those models. So this is, uh, this creates a very, very imbalanced situation where, for example, we as users can only access, say, ChatGPT through, um, you know, controlled environment with the chat and they, they can ban us and stuff. But people at OpenAI, not only they can access uh, the model more freely, but they also can access more smart, smarter models that weren't optimized or fine-tuned for ethics, for example, or LHF. And we know from the literature, from the scientific literature, that those models are more capable than publicly released. And uh, all of those things, uh, especially when, you know, used in a bad intentions by, by bad people, can, can do very material harm, you know, in a very near future. While... Uh, the existence of some, you know, independent AGI who who does bad things for some reason and it is completely uncontrollable by us, you know, where we can even unplug the electricity and, you know, we can mm -hmm. stop them because it replicates. This is, for now, feels like maybe, you know, like a B-movie plot a, a little bit. Uh, while while I, I, I certainly now I'm convinced that at some point we will face such a problem, but maybe we shouldn't be worried too much about it right now because it kind of shifts our focus from doing harm right now towards something that will potentially do harm in the future. You know, so that's mm -hmm. why that's why I'm not denying it. I, I'm with current GPT four, let's say capabilities. It's already to me, it's convincing that at some point. So I, I actually believe that AGI is not, you know research papers away, it is engineering hours away. So I think that GPT-4 is already kind of like the missing piece where we can already assemble the AGI with the right amount of, you know, effort. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, it will it will take us some time, but it will take us very short time to see how 
you know, uh, neural nets will do manipulation for our lives without us even understanding it, understanding it. And I feel like we should focus more on giving AI to more people so we can, you know, so people can run AI models locally in their PCs uh, and have, you know, it's, you know, there is a uh, always dual use technologies like computer itself uh, can be used badly. And it doesn't mean we should be scared about uh, computers and their capabilities. It means that we should give more people, we should give, give more people access to computers and give them software patterns and behavior patterns to, to protect themselves. And this is kind of like uh, transfers to the AI field as well, where we can, we shouldn't be worried uh, about AI models as an inherent harm, inherently bad thing. Uh, we should be worried about, you know, misuse of the AI and how other people can balance out those, those misuses. Yeah, I agree with most of your points, but doesn't it sound like uh, when you say that we shouldn't shift our attention, our focus uh, from uh, uh, these current problems with misinformation, inequality, and access to neural networks, etc., etc., we shouldn't shift those focus from from those problems to the long-term problems of uh, artificial general intelligence uh, posing some risks to humanity or artificial superintelligence posing such risks. Doesn't it sound like uh, saying we should focus on uh, uh, gun-carrying laws instead of uh, um, uh, international treaties banning nuclear proliferation, for example. Those are both very important topics and we should think in advance how to prevent, for example, the global nuclear war. That's why there are some restrictions in, in place. Um, and with uh, artificial uh, superintelligence, the problem is that once it emerges, there will be not too much time. Maybe there will be no time at all to do anything mm. once it's here already. Yeah, so, you know, me being a neural net, net engineer, uh, that gives me kind of like an understanding of internals of the um, uh, how how they work, and so a lot of a lot of folks in our field tend to devalue the accomplishments of the GPT-4 uh, by saying that this is just a statistical generator and this is just some matrix multiplications, um, and I was such a guy. A uh, few months ago, but um, uh, nonetheless, even though I kind of like admit that current state of the LLMs is like basically incredible, and we basically have intelligence uh, in our hands, art artificial intelligence in our hands, but um, I can't deny that the the the, the knowledge of how 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 they they work internally, and so uh, by itself uh, the uh, let's say the most capable model right now is GPT-4. It's still actually really just a, a bunch of matrix multiplications. So even if you train like, you know, GPT-5 or GPT-19, I don't know, whatever, it may be like 10 trillion parameters. It will never be able to even, you know, to even set an alarm for you. Like never actually. So it, it, it's just it's but just if it has plugins. Uh, it, yeah, it, yeah, it but can. Uh, but on, on its own, it's it you know it, it is not capable of doing it. So it can do a lot of things, 
surprisingly, like reason and abstract thinking and problem solving, but it can do like even basic thing. So it has to be a part of a bigger system, like an ensemble where that system uses this uh, AI as a building block. So for example, it should be, mm, you know, let's say we, we are scared of some potential AI who can harm financial markets because it can, you know, hack stuff and, you know, control the uh, stock markets and okay. do some crazy stuff. But so uh, it, for, in order for, for this bad model um, to, do it, to do it, it has to, you know, build a very sophisticated system which um, kind of like has very direct instructions to do very particular bad things. Uh, by in it and it has takes enormous level of engineering to achieve that so it, I'm not saying it's impossible so it's, it is possible and I actually do believe that it's possible um, like today given that we can you know um, write code with an infinite speed and we can experiment with infinite speed potentially we have all the building blocks that that, mm-hmm. that could be needed for to, for for it to, to to be created but uh we need like a very, very big and talented team of, you know, bad but intelligent guys who will who will create this and or uh, or well-intentioned uh, 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 intelligent guys who think they're doing good but actually doing bad yeah, things. Yeah, but this is even less, you know, even less likely because f- given that given how AI safety discourse is uh, right now and how popular it is and how, you know, fashionable it is to, uh, to you know, say how safe each model that comes and how we don't even mention Hitler in their prompts and stuff like that. So this is even less pro- probable, but my point is that in order to create such a, such a system, we, have, we will need like enormous amount of efforts. And uh, this is why I believe that regulating like how people use AIs is more important that than regulating what, you know, AI should be like and how it should be trained because AI itself, as we know it, can't do harm like at all. So it just, it just can't. So it, it, it is as harmful as a computer by, 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 by the concept. So it's just a mathematical model that can do stuff. And so the, the only reason it can, you know, be do harm is that it, it when it is misused. And so I will, I strongly believe that uh, regulating misusage is more important right now. And it, we, if we will get good at regulating misusage at this current level of um, tr- threats, then when, when it will, it will come to the, the, the bigger threat that you mentioned where, you know, independent AI agent self-replicates, hacks every computer in the world uh, and like doing some, you know, crazy, uh, crazy stuff to us or maybe controlling robots. Um, then we will have a good infrastructure and good framework to, uh, of things to, to, to how to prevent it because we know already how to how to regulate this. Um, and if we will focus solely on, you know, making matrix multiplication safe from, you know, uh, bad intentions, I feel like we will, we can miss the train of the actual harm where some, as, as the democratization of AI goes, uh, and as some, as a lot of stuff gets released, uh, a lot of 
bad guys will get an access to it. So we we have to we have to fight it already, like you know the viruses and the antiviruses. It, the the balancing has start has to be started right now, and then later uh, maybe once again forecasting is not my thing, but I I feel like we have at least a decade before you know some like Skynet type of risk could be even you know visible for, to, to us. Ah, a decade. Metaculus says that 2026 is the day, uh, the, the year that AGI comes along. So you think it uh, it happens later or you think that it takes more than just uh, an AGI uh, to create such a risk? To me, I, I, I mean, I know I'm technically incorrect, but to me, AGI is kind of like already here. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, this is just my my point of view. I, I mean that there is you know a very specific terms of what AGI is, and like in, in current form, GPT four isn't AGI because it lacks some you know um, capabilities like planning or learning and stuff like that. But uh, to me, I think that AGI is, is already here because. Why? Well, just because from what GPT four can do, you know, it's it just really understands most of the concept in in our lives and it approximates the so many knowledge domains so good um and uh, and it, it it's really kind of like does something that wasn't wasn't even you know so you know i i'm, I'm coming from different field of machine learning uh division models and it, it, we we've been training vision models of you know a lot of sorts of for for years and generally uh, we know that simply increasing model size never results in a phenomenal performances like for example you train a segmentation model which uh, you know can segment kittens in a, in a in an image so it returns zero for pixels that are not cat and once for pixels that there are cats generally you can you know create some very tiny model that probably will not work great. Then you create the, a little bit bigger model that provides a good results, but then you create the enormous model and it gives only marginal improvement, if any, because usually if your model even too big, it can overfit and actually the saturation of the performance can, can go down. And so the, the usual approach in the field is to come up with a new ideas on how to train the neural nets in, in the first place rather than, you know, increasing the, um, the m- m- parameters count. And that's why I w- initially I thought that uh, we, we shouldn't be expecting anything significant from, you know, ChatGPT uh, because we know from previous experience that just raising the parameter count won't result into anything phenomenal. Like uh, it will, so I thought that it should stay on a more or less the same level where it just generates text, next word that is most likely in a sequence and that's it. And so when the GPT-4 came out, uh, this was a real black swan because it really understands concepts that that it talks about. So it's it's really crazy. So it, it, even though it was trained to to predict the next word, in reality, it really understands a lot of things, and it is a very powerful reason engine. And so, this reason engine, uh, it it was unpredictable even like six months ago. So we we, we couldn't really f- see it coming six months ago, uh, but. 
turns out that uh, this reasoning engine is is kind of like the enabler for everything that we potentially can call the AGI. For, for example, like yeah, ChatGPT itself can't like even you know multiply numbers. It can it can multiply numbers that it you know. Uh, it saw several times, like seven by seven. But if you ask it to, you know, uh, multiply like one thousand to I don't know four thousand one hundred twenty-one, it will it will fail to do so. But uh, since the reasoning of the uh, GPT-4 is so reliable, and given that it really understands like more macro concepts, it can you know reliably use so-called plugins where. Basically, how it works is just uh, the model is so good at inserting point, some particular tokens where it can understand that, yeah, maybe I can't calculate the numbers, but let's uh, insert the token like the plugin start. Then we should put the numbers to multiply into that area. Then we say like plugin end. And the some uh, like you know, external system, not the model itself, but the external system can interpret that area. So, wow, this model wants us to you know to call the plugin, and it can call the multiplication plugin, for example, or Python plugin or Googling plugin, and do whatever things that you you can do. And so, even though that, yeah, technically, uh, ChatGPT can't plan or can't learn, it can learn in you know in a limited in the context of its context window. So yeah, it may not know that, you know, the war in Ukraine happening because it has a knowledge cutoff on 2021. But you can, you know, teach it. You can say it like, hey, Google, like, what's the current situation in this country? It will use the plugin to do so. And you can say, uh, like, adjust my, you know, financial decisions based on what you found out in it. And it will do do so. So my point is that while uh, ChatGPT itself cannot be called an AGI because it just, you know, it is not, <laughs> it is not one. Um, the bigger system who uses uh, something like uh, ChatGPT or analog open source model, I think already can be called AGI. So it's, you know, it's we, we already have everything that involves of that that involves the creation of the AGI. We have the reasoning engine, we have a lot of you know vision models that can understand what's happening in the image, recognize text, we have um, models that can, I don't know, generate music, understand music, understand uh, you know, speech. So creating an AGI is a matter of from my perspective, it is a matter of engineering, not the research. So we don't need the breakthrough in a, in a model or we don't need like a hyper mega uh, super big uh, model to come in order to, to get the AGI. We just need to create a system who combines existing um, models with ChatGPT being the missing link in order to create it. And that's why I say that it's already here because we are not... Uh, separated from it by some technical impossibility like that is, you know, not achievable. We are separated from it by engineering hours that we have to put it in and to some degree create at least, you know, the main specific AGI who may be not as capable of, you know, running a humanoid robot, but can definitely self-improve 
if it's an endless cycle, for example, in you know, medical sphere or uh, coding sphere. Or so podcasting that, sphere. Yeah. And AGI, <laughs> that is uh, the best podcast host. You don't like Lex Friedman, a better version of <laughs> Lex Friedman. Um, why, why don't you like Lex, by the way? What's, um, what's wrong with him? He's, he's a good an, guy. He's an imposter. Like he pretends to be technical person mm -hmm. while he's definitely not. Uh, okay. And his technical takes are extremely bad. And he, when he t promotes himself as a machine learning researcher, that's just laughable. And so I think he kind of like undermines the guests who who he invites because he invites some really brilliant people who could have much more, uh, you know, deeper and uh, more thoughtful discussions. But since his discourse in a very low level, to, 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 from my subjective perspective, he, I think, undermines the potential of the, uh, of the guests. That's why mm. I think that maybe he's not the best podcaster <laughs> out there. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about uh, if the AGI is already practically here. Uh, and... Uh, You, as you mentioned, can't even imagine your life without it. Uh, 24 hours is a challenge going without ChatGPT. Let's talk about how to use it, how to use it for your own benefit. Uh, how you use it, in which uh, spheres of life, how it helps you. I know we've we've talked about that in, in private uh, for many, I think some, for some hours already, and I'm very thrilled about all this. And I, I'm sure you can <clears throat> teach our audience many things about how they could implement ChatGPT or other large language models into their lives. Let's just uh, first outline the areas and then uh, dig deeper into uh, some of them. Which areas of life uh, uh, should uh, people uh, augment by Uh, adding ChatGPT to it. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, since this is like a hot topic, I believe this was more or less discussed several times. So I'm not, I don't want, you know, to, to give boring repetitive takes on how you can generate plots or marketing strategy or stuff. I, I would love to address two things that, that I think worth discussing is um, ChatGPT or LMs being a killer for Google like mm -hmm. for searching engine mm -hmm. and coding. Those two things are materially changed in my life in particular and that, that I would love to share my, my, my thoughts. So let's start with the search engine because it's a simple one from my perspective. So before large, large language models uh, could um, cite they, their sources, I don't think that search engines are exposed to any risk because it's just, you know, different kind of stuff. Uh, yes, it can provide you distilled knowledge, but generally it is untrustable. So you still have to double check what's, uh, what, what the model gives you because it still can hallucinate a lot of stuff. Uh, and it, it will never... Uh, it will never be perfect, never. So just just solely because how it works, right? It's just statistically uh, hallucinating the next word. So sometimes the error will occur, even if it's, you know, 99% loss, 
uh, then there is still chance that it it will it will give you the wrong information. But it, generally, it is good to have a very you know short-lived research on some topics, especially on a topics that has let's say humanity consensus on something like I don't know what dosages of zinc you should take. You you can ask ChatGPT and it will give you you know averaged opinion across the whole internet and it will give you some remarks that is not, you know, let, not a doctor and you should see the real doctor and stuff. So why, that, why should I use ChatGPT for that instead of Google? Uh, on Google, I can see the, in some sources, I can see uh, the source of the information. I, I, I can see which website uh, uh, recommends that. For example, if I Google the dosage of zinc to use uh, and I see the website of some national health uh, service, for example, uh, I, I, I I would trust it more than I would uh, trust ChatGPT. Why, why, why is this the killer for search engines in your opinion? No, I think that this, this is actually a good good usage for, for, Ch- for ChatGPT because you, you can have a very distilled uh, answer to your question that you may or may not validate later uh, in, a, in, in a search engine. But what I'm trying to say is that searching engine like, like the Google with all its flaws like being CEO, you know, SEO, uh, fl- cluttered, and, and like algorithms became more ads-oriented rather than tr- helping you to uh, find the right information. But in- inherently, the um, Google being like the index of the whole internet serves a different purpose, right? So uh, large language models are very slow to update. So like, for example, uh, ChatGPT has a knowledge cut of 2021. So uh, y- you can't even access the latest news in, in that. So unless we, we develop some, you know, huge vector-based uh, approach where the LLMs can rather search through like embeddings from the internet, cite their sources where you can go. I don't think that uh, search engine is exposed to any mm, concrete risk because it's just different thing. You know, you, you, you just need to find a particular discrete website or a particular library or a particular book. And you, you will never be able to do it with like the model that it is right now where all knowledge is baked into the weights of, of the model. So it has to be it has to be, once again, a bigger system. So it's basically just the search engine that will use the uh, like language models to maybe somehow uh, you know, compress the data. And uh, that's why I feel a bit, you know, it, it's just funny to me when people don't take in, give and takes that, you know, Google is dead. Uh, because like Google actually invented the transformers technology mm-hmm. and patented it uh, that that lies in the fundamentals of the ChatGPT and uh, I think that they they will be good they you know Google has the biggest data collection in the world and they leading the uh, the bleeding edge of the uh, you know this this research so so it is it is mm, it, it's just two different things right so. ChatGPT can be used to extract some knowledge, general knowledge, but it has to be double-checked every time. So especially if it's sensitive stuff like the health, like even the dosages of the thing, maybe it will give you the correct one just because it appeared so many times in the data set that the probability of it 
being like correct is like 99.999%, but you still shouldn't trust what like the big large language model gives you just solely because of it's it's not reliable. Where, where do you go uh, to 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 ask such questions like uh, which dosage of zinc should I take? Do you go to Google? Do you go to ChatGPT? Currently, I go to ChatGPT first. I hmm. get uh, a high level overview of stuff that I, that I uh, want to, but then I double check it in Google. And you think this is faster than going to Google first? Yeah, to me, yes, because it's just, um, you can have a very tailored uh, questions mm -hmm. uh, in a large language models, the ones that is actually hard to formulate as a searching prompt, because you have, sometimes you have to be very creative on how to find answers to your questions, because the era of forums is dead. Like, you know, recently <laughs> when when the, the internet was full of forums, you were typing the natural question into the um, into the searching bar and you found you 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 found the like other people asking the same question in a forum that that yeah. was indexed but now since there is no like the the we, we see the dawn of the you know question answer services where people help Quora? each other yeah yeah but this is you know this is still it shrinks and you know less less people Less and less people go there to help other people. The the form of the content now transformed more, you know, in articles or maybe video. Yeah, video, Instagram TikToks, reels. Yeah, how to? And it's it's it gets harder and harder to to scatter information from it just just solely because of how you know searching engine works. So it's good for particular stuff like when you has to find like particular news. Or maybe particular blog post on, or, or or a particular research paper. That's you know maybe something that search engine will never be replaced at. But when you when you have like distilled uh, knowledge, when you need the distilled knowledge about some topic, you usually go. To, I usually go to ChatGPT now because it accumulates a lot, a lot of textbooks, a lot of articles and stuff, and it can you know give you a very very niche very, very nuanced, particular answer to, to a very particular question. Tailored to your yeah. exact question. Yeah, yeah, this makes sense. Uh, and what about coding? You mentioned the second area. Yeah, so the coding actually, to me, is the most exciting um, application of the uh, AI right now. Because, yeah, it will help optimize a lot of text-based uh, tasks in, in other fields, like maybe editing you know, the text for news, maybe some generating, you know, B-movie plots, <laughs> uh, maybe even some creativity will take place, some research. But coding, to my perspective, maybe because I'm biased, because I, I do coding in, in, in my day job, will uh, transformatively change how how the our industry will look I think maybe in a year or so. So I currently write all my code with, um, uh, with ChatGPT, which is honestly uh, still to this date really surprising to me. Like every time I open it in the morning and every time it writes some very, very complex, sophisticated code for me, um, I'm really surprised. I can't believe my eyes that it really can do it that good. And when when I was banned for 24 hours, that that was you know I felt like I felt very you know you're too dependent uh, yeah. on, <laughs> yeah. on this. 
I was like, I felt so weak uh, without it because currently, like I always thought that, uh, you know, my bottleneck as a programmer is not the typing speed. It is the cognitive, you know, cognitive function that, that is bottlenecks me. So I never thought that um, optimizing the speed that I type my code into the editor actually uh, actually stops me from being more productive. And I still kind of like second this idea, but uh, ChatGPT surprisingly is exceptional in coding. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of senior developers on the internet who say that the Code is awful. It's like a junior writing um, <laughs> code, and and sometimes it can have bugs and, and stuff like. And and it's true. It's true uh, to to some extent. But um, the thing is that what I believe is that since the internet is filled with uh, beginner level. Uh, examples of coding because usually some advanced stuff is isn't there like in the forms of tutorial or Coursera courses that you can buy for ninety nine dollars. It's just not there. So the the more most of the information about coding is a beginner level, um, and uh, a lot of it aren't really production oriented. So you can't really you know when you read when you read some medium articles in the internet, it usually doesn't contain very production ready code that that is people actually write in you know software like. I don't know, Uber or, I don't know, Volt delivery application. So it's, it's, it's just, it differs. So that's may uh, uh, kind of like justify why uh, ChatGPT responses look a lot of like junior uh, code mm-hmm. with some imperfections in architecture and maybe in style and stuff. But um, the fact that it can do it in the first place uh, gives us a hint that if we can fine-tune um, the model, some model, maybe not the ChatGPT itself, but like open-source Llama model, if we can fine-tune it to the uh, particular patterns and particular approaches and particular language that we want to use to our cases, it can definitely solve higher uh, higher, uh, you know, order problems. And uh, I strongly believe that now nobody in the world knows how to how to code with NAI properly. So you can do, like, you can find YouTube videos how people create, uh, I don't know, iOS application 24 Mm -hmm. hours. That's impressive. Yeah, but those applications are pretty bad. They, you know, they still need some, you know, hand tuning. But the amount of tasks and complex ideas that LMs can handle in 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 in, a, in a such an effortless way where you can say like give me the screen that has a button and he, in, after pressing the button it should give the request to the server and download the data and show it and it does all that like literally all that the button the request the error handling and stuff this is just amazing and um, I strongly believe that everyone that is involved in the tech industry should learn how to accelerate coding with uh, co-pilots or just in LLMs. And I strongly believe that we, uh, as an industry, will soon come up with something, let's say, AI-oriented programming, where we will redefine what it even means to know how to code and what does it even mean to, uh, to write good code. Because currently... Writing code is very human-oriented, right? So we want it to be 
concise, clear, readable, and stuff. Uh, we also want it to be short because we we want to spend less time to read it, and we want to uh, to to make it reusable. So we write library once, and then we use it in several projects and stuff. Because most of the code that is access right now is is accessed by humans. But once most of the code will be both accessed and written by AI, we can relax some constraints, right? Maybe we shouldn't be focused on reusability um, a lot because LLMs can now write code in like 15 seconds. So maybe we shouldn't reuse library if we can create new library for each screen every time. So it, it doesn't matter. Also, readability. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, cover everything with comments and documentation because we can, you know, just feed it to the model and gives it the the result. And so nobody really actually put a significant amount of effort in it. So everybody is like, oh my God, it's crazy. The LMs can write like iOS application. And it's really crazy and it's really exciting. But we, we we now need to put more thoughts on how to turn it into something that, you know, can be production ready, that can big companies use. And um, I feel like maybe uh, developers will, you know, evolve into data producers for LMs. So instead of writing codes... We will write prompts. Yeah, 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 we'll write prompts. But before prompts, we will write examples. Like, uh-huh. like what, the, what the correct answer to uh, that prompt should be in terms of code, you know, and I can see, I can see a lot of developers who aren't uh, really good at low-level programming being, you know, forced to transform into so-called prompt engineers, and I also can see a lot of developers becoming, you know, teachers where they spend their most of their time, at, you know, at Google or Facebook to annotate this is wrong. No, this is the wrong answer. The code should be like that. And this is the right answer. So I think that the big companies should accumulate more advanced data to fine-tune their models on so that they can produce more uh, more production-ready code for, for, uh, for their use cases. And I, I, I think that that future is really around the corner because... Uh, I, I, I'm on Twitter a lot and I see that some brilliant people there already use ChatGPT like on a daily basis and I use it too. And that's the thing that I can do from the um, baked knowledge from the 2021 is incredible. And I can't even imagine what would be possible if we, you know, fine tune it on some modern data which is tailor it with some advanced techniques, some production-ready techniques. Um, I think that this will be the disruptive change to the whole tech industry. Interesting times we live in. So uh, maybe the future of uh, not just uh, programming jobs, but also other jobs will radically transform and we will all become prompt engineers or AI helpers, assistants for AIs. To some degree, I think, yeah, it, it, it is going to happen to some degree. I'm, I don't think that, you know, we will see like massive job shortages in, in a, in, in a sh- short term because uh, I think that a lot, of, a lot of what AI can do is enhancing rather than replacing. Uh, so it really 
it can really amplify what humans do, but it can't really replace as it, that many. M- maybe some, you know, very repetitive work, like, you know, supporting, like, m- m- the terrible chatbots that we encounter each day, like when companies trying to optimize, you know, the human support on the, on the uh, telephone. It will get better, definitely, and less people will be, will be involved. Uh, some text-based professions will, 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 will get better. But I feel like every creative specialist shouldn't be worried at the moment. I, uh, maybe coders. <laughs> coders should be somewhat wor- worried, but <laughs> everything else I think should uh, learn how to, you know, become like 1.5x more productive than, you know, in a non-AI era. Well, I'm uh, looking forward uh, on the one hand to to this future where we become 1.5x more productive or even five times more productive uh, or even 500 times more productive. But on the other hand, uh, I'm still not convinced that uh, the risks uh, that we will face are within our grasp and uh, that that it's possible <laughs> that we survive. So it's, uh, it's interesting uh, to say the least. But in any case, I'm sure that uh, uh, we should use AIs uh, while we can uh, to, to make the best of the time we have <laughs> while we as humans are still the dominant species on planet Earth. Andrei, thank you very much. Uh, uh, If you, our viewers and listeners, are interested in more content about neural networks, ChatGPT, maybe more content part two with Andrei, please write your comments uh, about that and we will think about whether we can organize another podcast. Thank you very much. Please subscribe, leave a comment, like. See you next time. This is Greg Mastreeder Podcast. Bye-bye.